how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with Rick Garman, who has written over 40 screenplays in the last seven years, many of those for Hallmark, such as the Hallmark Christmas movie, his new film, Christmas on Cherry Lane. In this interview, we talk about how he got his start as an actor and then moved into writing about difficult subjects, how he writes for actors today, the rules of a Hallmark Christmas movie, new writing challenges such as basing his new scripts on an interwoven plot not unlike the pilot to This Is Us, the decision to write after a cancer scare, and why he left his high-paying job to be a screenwriter. You can also find this interview on the Creative Screenwriting website. I moved to LA when I was 18. I grew up in Iowa, got out as soon as I was sure my parents couldn't send a sheriff to bring me back uh, to be an actor. I went to acting school and gave that up very quickly after graduating from acting school, uh, worked a whole bunch of different jobs and eventually landed at a theater company in Los Angeles called the Colony Theater. And uh, one of their, one of our uh, cast members had just passed away from AIDS. This was in the early 1990s. And they wanted to do a play that had to deal with AIDS, but the audience was very conservative and none of the plays that were out there at the time uh, were right for our audience. So I uh, sat down and said, you know what? I've been in plays. I've said plays. I can write a play. So I wrote a play and uh, the theater wound up doing that. It won some awards and got done at small theaters around the country. I wrote another one that won some more awards and uh, then nothing else happened. You know, being a playwright, uh, not an easy career. Uh, so I worked a bunch of jobs, but I kept writing. Uh, writing became my passion. Uh, I wrote all the time, even though I wasn't getting paid for it. And uh, in the 2000s, through a friend of a friend of a friend, I uh, had an opportunity to develop a TV show that almost got bought uh, by a couple of different networks, but then it didn't. And then nothing happened. And so I worked more jobs. I was an executive in the Internet industry, um, but I kept writing. And then again, in uh, 2015, I think it was through a friend of a friend of a friend. I had the opportunity to uh, submit for ideas for a TV movie for a channel called Pixel. Uh, that movie was called Late Bloomer, and they liked the idea. They let me write it. They made it. They loved it. I wrote four more for them, and then that got me into Hallmark. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. And then in 2017, I quit my high-paying uh, executive job in the internet world and became a writer full-time. And since then, I've written, I honestly have lost count, but it's somewhere around 40 movies in the last seven years. Wow. All right. Lo lots to unpack there. Um, first, yeah. 
back to that beginning, that first play or first couple of plays, did you find yourself like able to craft tough subjects that were not offensive? Like, how did you kind of pick that lane, I guess? Or like, how did you um, do so? Well, you know, it was about finding the characters and the heart, which I think has sort of become my hallmark for lack of a better word. Um, it, it was about, it was less about the issues and more about the people and the way that big events affect people on a very personal level. Uh, one of my favorite themes in writing is people who are sort of walking around in their daily life, thinking the world is one thing, and then something happens and their world shifts. Like the rug gets pulled out from under them and they have to look at their life and themselves and the world around them in a completely different way. Uh, and so tackling the very, very difficult subject of AIDS through a smaller lens, a, a family and how they're dealing with someone in their family dying of AIDS uh, made it more personal. It made it more, uh, made it able for audiences who might not necessarily have the uh, stuff going on in their lives that they could immediately identify with that. They were able to then identify with it because of uh, the the family connections, you know, everybody's had somebody in their life that has passed away. So going through that emotional stuff was able to then connect to the subject of AIDS through that. I like that idea a lot. I actually ask a lot of my guests, what false beliefs do they have about screenwriting? It, it kind of reminds me of how you're thinking about your characters how did acting early on help you shape characters? Is it still something you think of today? Because, I mean, not all screenwriters understand what that means. So a big fault is maybe writing characters, actors don't really want to play. Like, how do you kind of have that difference there? I think having gone through acting training and done a lot of plays, I had a lot of experiences where I had to say things that aren't the way people talk. Uh, people rarely talk in complete sentences with correct punctuations and a period at the end. They're run-ons and they they go in different directions. You start one direction and then you switch to a different direction. Uh, so what I do, and I did this from the very beginning, when I write a script, when I'm done with the first draft, the next thing I do is I sit down and I read it out loud. I read every line out loud. And... It helps me in the writing process because it's not a guarantee that if it comes out of my mouth, okay, that it's going to come out of an actor's mouth. Okay. But there are a lot of times where I'll read a line that I've written and I'm like, nobody talks like that. <laughs> uh, so my, my dialogue is very conversational. I use ellipses all the time. <laughs> I use a lot of dot, dot, dots in my, in my dialogue where, I'll say, you know, it's something like, well, it's just that 
what I really mean is, you know, and, and, and it just, it's just the way that people talk. Uh, and, and I have gotten a lot of feedback from actors in both movies and plays and the stage work that I've done, um, that the dialogue that I write is easier for them to say than a lot of other scripts that they've had. Does it require more of a rhythm? Like if I'm thinking of two two characters acting or interacting in a scene, it seems like like if I'm thinking of that, when I write it in myself, I'm thinking that someone almost needs to cut in for some of these moments. Is that something that's kind of, do you do anything specific so they know that on the page or you just kind of trust them to do it however they see it? Uh, well, for the movies, it's it's a it's a different beast. That one's kind of out of my hands. And I try to leave it as loose as possible so that the actors and the director and, and uh, the production can interpret it in the way that's going to be best for them. Uh, the, the very specific uh, genre that I work in, uh, these aren't big budget movies. They film them very, very quickly. Uh, and so I try to not overwhelm it with things that are going to make their lives more difficult. So as long as they're getting the, the 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 framework, then they can put their own creativity and artistry on top of that. I'm not one of those writers who feels very precious about his words. Uh, you know, you must say it the way that I wrote. You know what? If, again, I've written it the way that I hear the character, I've written it in language that I feel like is natural and and easy to say, but if you as an actor has a different choice that works with the director and, and the tone of the, the film for both the dialogue and the intention, well, then that's your creativity. That's that take that and make that better. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wrong all the time. So who knows um, for the stage work that I do, because I also have a stage company uh, that I'm, I'm doing a lot of original works for. Um, primarily my thing is the script is not sacrosanct. If you can think of something funnier or more emotional or uh, just better, do it. I don't care. I'm happy to be uh, uh, rewritten. So I've talked to a few uh, Hallmark directors, probably more directors than writers or, or Christmas movie directors as well. One rule is like Christmas is in every scene. Oh yeah. Uh, what what's some other rules, especially in the screenplay world, for writing a Hallmark movie? Like what kind of has to happen? Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily rules, but uh, it, it, certainly in a Christmas movie, yeah, the, there there is no such thing as too much Christmas in a Christmas movie, and this is not just for Hallmark. This is for pretty much anybody. Uh, the the characters have to either be generally speaking, uh, need to be talking about Christmas or they need to be doing something Christmassy. Uh, so, you know, if they're talking about their, you know, in a getting to know you scene, they're talking about their past relationships or their childhood or whatever, they need to be doing so while they're wrapping presents or decorating a tree or, you know, whatever. Um, if they're at a restaurant, you know, whatever 
then that can be them talking about Christmas, talking about Christmas's past, so on and so forth. But Christmas is interwoven through the whole thing. Uh, uh, you have to have a lot of that. And then there's just sort of the general, you know, screenwriting rules that apply to everything. You know, you need to get the uh, main characters introduced by X page, you know, the end of the first act has to have something that's going to carry them through the commercial break. You know, there needs to be escalations in act three and act six and, you know, the sort of basic storytelling structure. Um, uh, and then there's other things that are, are uh, sort of a little more specific to the world uh, of places like Hallmark and great American family where, you know, you've, you've got a, an audience that uh, is looking for a specific tone, a specific uh, characters. It's, it's the world where, you know, nobody dies, <laughs> you know, the bad guys aren't really all that bad. They're just a little misguided, you know, and, and they often see the error of their ways by the end of the, by the end of the movie. And, you know, it's always going to end with a kiss. It, it, it's, it's comfort food. I always describe it as comfort food. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're not going to have any uh, crime or, <laughs> you know, uh, things that just aren't, that are going to take people out of, especially in a Christmas movie, that are going to take people out of that sort of holiday spirit or the romance or whatever. Yeah. What was the original idea for your new film, Christmas Home, Cherry Lane? I wanted to do a story that was had had more complexity to it uh so this one has three different stories of families that live on cherry lane and as the movie unfolds you start to understand how these three families are related to one, one another how their stories are connected to each other so it sort of unfolds in a this is us sort of style where you're going between the different uh, families on Cherry Lane and uh, uh, slowly uncover how they're all connected. And so it's, it's a really interesting and uh, unique, not just unique for Hallmark, but it's a, it's a storytelling device that doesn't get used a lot. It's not a 100% a linear, you know, starting at a and ending at Z um, we sort of bounce around between the different families. And, and so as a, as a writer, it was a really interesting challenge to uh, set up all of this stuff and then figure out how to make the reveals and how to do the twists and the turns and, and all that stuff without giving anything away and, and uh, uh, make it, but still make it a very satisfying uh, story with interesting characters and lots of heart and lots of Christmas and, all the stuff you want in these yeah and and likewise without giving too much plot away here what are the logistics behind that did you i think of the pilot of this is us and it was compared to like a Shyamalan type thing did you right. did you have like a series of note cards like what do you actually do to to kind of plot out the different stories i i'm i'm big with uh outlines and bullet points um so i i i basically wrote an outline for each of the stories and had the idea of what each of the stories were and sort of how they were connected. But then as I wrote each of the individual stories, I was then able to go back and then 
figure out how they even deeper connections and how they overlap and then how to break them apart and say, okay, well, we're starting here and now we're going to this family and now we're going to this family. And now we're going to go back to this one and then we're going to touch on that one and, and so on and so forth. And now here's a reveal. And then as that's just sort of our, all progresses. So I, I do it all on paper. I'm not big on, on things like note cards or, or uh, programs that, you know, the, the organizational programs, screenwriting programs that allow you to do things like that. I'm, I'm more of a, a word guy. It was obviously, I would assume, more difficult for you. What kind of response did you get from maybe, I know, I don't think it's it's out yet. So what kind of response did you get from people? Because the big thing about the first few seasons of Seinfeld is they all connected at the end and they, they kind of got, I think it was too hard to keep doing it. Or maybe after Larry David right. left, they stopped doing it. What was it like for those who were kind of coming on board to see the the connections and everything in the script? I got a lot of feedback uh, from the people involved that it was surprisingly clear hmm. if that makes any sense. In other words, the, 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 there was no, there's, there was in reading the script, everybody had the satisfaction of the reveals and had the emotional moments and, and all that kind of stuff. And there wasn't any, or very little of, wait a minute, who's that? And how did that, how is, I don't understand. Um, so, and, and a lot of that is because I took the time again to do, I, I do obsessively uh, uh, detailed outlines, uh, you know, act one, scene one, here's all the beats, you know, here's what happens. I even write little snippets of dialogue in my outlines and 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 so once all of that was sort of mapped out it made i made sh it, it helped me make sure in writing of the script that there were no balls dropped mm. or no uh places where uh something that something would happen and, and people would be like wait a minute i don't understand um uh this one had a, a really really easy surprisingly easy uh process through development and, and and filming it got filmed through during the strike so i wasn't uh, actively involved during the filming mm. but um uh the development of it was was surprisingly easy I, I i expected it to be harder and it just happened well so is that just um trusting in your own process reading aloud some things you've already said um, how else do you have other people that you have, have other people read your scripts first or any friends or colleagues or anything like that? Generally speaking, no, no, I, this sounds a little full of myself, but I've done enough of these, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, you do 40 of these things in, in, uh, in seven years and it becomes, it becomes secondhand. And so I, I've learned to trust myself. Uh, in terms of the process, uh, but then also certainly the emotions of it. Uh, I know I'm doing a good job if I make myself laugh or if I make myself cry. There's, 
there are moments of both in in Cherry Lane where I wrote a scene and it just it made me laugh out loud or it brought me to tears as I was writing it or reading it and and so um, that's when I feel like I know that I'm on the right track and then I trust the people uh, I I have great relationships with the people at the uh, networks and the studios and I mean, sorry, the, the networks and the producers and in some cases the actors, uh, I have great relationships with a lot of people that I trust implicitly to um, uh, guide me if I've gone off in a place that I shouldn't have gone, uh, which certainly happens. For those uh, writers listening to this or reading this and they haven't finished their first script, was there a point in those 40 where you felt like you had it down, that you felt confident in your formula or whatever your process or whatever it was? Like, when did you kind of start to feel like, okay, this is a career and I can do this? Uh, it was, let's see, I started doing it in 2015. And again, I, I quit the, what I uh, call a day job. Uh, again, I, I was, a senior executive in the internet world. I worked at Disney. I worked at Yahoo. I worked at a, a bunch of different places. Um, and it, you know, it was a big serious job with a big team reporting to me and so on and so forth. So it's not like I was, you know, uh, uh, an assistant someplace, not trying to be derisive about assistance, but it was a, a big job. And, um, but it was a job that I hated. <laughs> and, uh, so it was about two years in as, I started making, I was making more money writing scripts at night and on the weekends uh, than I was making in my high paying day job. And so I also hit a point in my life. I was, I turned 50 in, in uh, 2016 and said, you know, if I don't do it, I'm never going to do it. And this is something I've wanted for, I've wanted a career as a writer for 25, 30 years. Um, it's time. Uh, so I, uh, it was a terrifying decision, but uh, things that I'd gone through in my life in the previous few years, I had uh, cancer in 2012. Um, it changed my worldview, much like I said, that theme that I like, uh, it, it made me look at the world in a different way. And, and realizing that uh, I'd spent too much of my life being worried about that sort of Midwest work ethic, you have to have a job, you have to have health insurance, you have to have a steady paycheck, you have to do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that I missed a lot of opportunities because of that. And so I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. Um, how that translates to somebody who hasn't finished their first screenplay. Um, I think it really is about not stopping. If it's something you're passionate about, again, I, I wrote for 20 some odd years without getting paid for it uh, because I loved writing. It was therapy for me and it, I enjoyed the creativity and I enjoyed the, the world building of it. Um, and it allowed me to have a deep shelf, you know, those things you write and you put on the shelf or put in your drawer or whatever. Mine was stacked 
with stuff. So still today, even after I've been doing this for many years, people will come to me and say, hey, uh, we want to do a movie about a, a talking dog that goes to space. And I'll go, wow, I have three scripts, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I've been any stupid idea I have. I write it down. I, I write a scene. I write a script. I write an outline. I do whatever. So I've got those things because I enjoy the creativity part of it. Uh, sorry, how important is it today to have somewhat of a creative mind plus a business mind in any any type of writing? How do you think about that? One of the, well, there's there's two things. One of the reasons that I believe that I didn't have a successful career as a writer earlier in my life is because I'm terrible at being an advocate for myself. I think a lot of writers are. There's a reason that a lot of writers sit behind their computer screen and don't talk to people. <laughs> you know, um, they make other people talk uh, as opposed to talking themselves. Uh, so, having a strong advocate who has a strong sense of the business world uh, and the business aspects of this is critical, absolutely critical. Um, but then the other side of it is understanding the business of movie making, uh, which has different structures and strictures in the different worlds you're working in. As I said earlier, the, the, the budgets for a lot of these TV movies are not big. And so understanding what production can and can't do uh, helps inform what you're doing as you're writing. So understanding the business aspect of it informs what you can do in the creativity part of it. Yeah. I'd love to have a, a, a movie, a Christmas movie where we do a, a huge parade marching down uh, main street with floats and marching bands and all that kind of stuff, but they won't be able to afford to film that, especially since they're doing it in June, <laughs> you know? Right. So it was someplace where it's a hundred and a hundred degrees. So uh, that means I have to do what I wanted to do in that parade in a different way. Was there a point um, when you started to find some success where you were pitching yourself in a certain way? So I'm combining a few things you said. It sounds like maybe you write characters who have false false beliefs about something. It reshapes their view. And then that's with, and that's maybe your theme or something. Then that's within the plot of a Hallmark Christmas movie. Was there a point where like that's a, some version of that is what you're actually saying in the pitch, or that's the way people think about you as a writer? Uh, you know, I think that the, that theme is universal, uh, but it applies more to the stuff that I write outside of the world of Hallmark. Uh, or, or Great American Family or any of the other places that I'm writing for. Um, uh, there certainly is in those characters uh, arcs and stakes and, and all of the kind of stuff where they, 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 they start thinking one way and, and thinking a different way. Um, but it's not quite as... as uh, evident in terms of, of thematic stuff. You know, the themes in a Christmas movie really is Christmas and romance. So, right. and family and community and all those other kinds of things. 
We'll just do um, one more. Do you have any advice for if anyone's trying to break into the day and maybe write Christmas movies? Uh, one thing, it sounds like being prolific would help find your own process. Any other advice about kind of breaking in today? It really is about finding, again, an advocate because there is the the, the competition uh, to write these things is fierce. And the people that make these movies uh much like the rest of the industry it's not like you can call them up and say hey i've had an idea for a christmas script i get emails and all the time from people saying hey i've written a christmas script will you read it and i, I often have to and they'll start to detail out the plot in the in the email and so i immediately have to stop reading and uh write that delete it and copy my lawyer and all that kind of stuff just because the you know the rules uh, make it too uh, risky to be able to do that. But if you have a manager or an agent or a connection, uh, then that makes getting into those path in down those pathways a lot easier. Doing it on yourself, doing it yourself, is really rough. It's not like you can go write an indie screenplay and you know get that notice someplace. It, it, it really doesn't work like that in this world, unfortunately. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.